Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. All right. Good morning, Coastal. So I'm going to need a little bit of participation this morning. I want to make sure that everybody's paying attention. I want to make sure that you're all listening intently. Uh, Just a heads up, there's going to be a pop quiz at the end. Not at the end of the service, that'd be too easy. But at the end of it all, you're going to go to heaven. Jesus is going to say, what did that guy preach on July 10th, 2022 at Coastal Family Church? And if you say you don't know, he's going to say, flee from me, for I never knew you. It's in there somewhere. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure it's in there somewhere. But no, real quick, though, again, want to get some participation. So I need you all to look at your neighbors. Little tip here. If you're married, look at your spouse first, okay? Uh, That should be common sense, but, yeah, just in case. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you look good. He's looking at my wife. All right, calm down, calm down. Okay, no making out in church, no PDAs, all right? All right, now look at your other neighbor, if you have one. Look at your other neighbor, and I want you to look them dead in the eye. Make this nice and awkward, okay? Look them dead in the eye and say, neighbor, we can't all be good looking. It's true. I'm sorry. It, it had to be said. It's true. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I just want to say thank you, Pastor Rod, for giving me this opportunity to come up here and preach to you out like <laughs> Probably will be. You're not wrong. Uh, But giving me this opportunity to come up and preach, I can't guarantee everybody will be back next Sunday. Uh, But I can tell you that Pastor Rod is a genius. He's a very wise man, not just in his preaching or his pastoring abilities, but the running of this church and scheduling folks. He's a genius, right? So me, I'm not good at a lot of stuff, um, very few talents. The one thing that I, I can say you know, with honesty that I'm really good at is telling people what to do. I just have a knack for it, right? I I can stand there and say, you do that. And they do it. I don't know why, but they do. So that makes me really good at at management. As Pastor Rod said, I'm I'm a regional manager for Amazon. It keeps me busy. Also makes me a good father, you know, because I can tell my kids what to do. And if they don't do it, I beat them. I'm just kidding. I don't. I don't beat my children. That's not true. But in management, sometimes you have to give people some tough feedback. You got to have difficult conversations, right? And one of the ways that I've found uh, to, to help me be successful with those difficult conversations is the sandwich method. Raise your hand if you've heard of the sandwich method. A few of you. All right, good. So this is easy. So sandwich method is basically good, bad, good, right? You started off with, with the good, the positive, you're really good at this, you know, you get them energized, excited, all that. And then you come in with the bad or the opportunity, as I like to call it, and you, you know, basically you tear them down a little bit, you, you bring them back down to earth, right? But then you follow it up with more good, you know, and you, you get them energized and excited and ready to go do life again, right? That's exactly what Pastor Rod has done with this three-week stretch of, of preaching with him not being at the pulpit, Right. Last week, Barry came up here, and Barry's a phenomenal preacher, super energetic, uh, funny, knows the word, gets us all excited to do this Christian thing, right? And I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a fast forward. Uh, spoiler alert, next week, Adam is going to be preaching, Adam Owens. If you haven't heard him preach, super energetic, knows the word like nobody else, he's going to get you excited to be a Christian. And then right smack dab in the middle... Here I am, right? <laughs> Lord, help us all, all right? Now, great use of the sandwich method, though, Pastor Ron. 
Um, now I'm kidding. Of course, I have a little more self-confidence than that, um, in case you all don't know me. But I just want to dive right into this uh, today. Raise your hand again. There's going to be a lot of participation um, if, if there were some Jewish leaders here and this was the Sabbath, they'd probably uh, yell at me for making work so much. But uh, raise your hand if you've ever been in a season where it seemed like everything was going wrong, right? Like your, your health, your finances, your job, your kids, right? Like at some point, all of us have been in one of those seasons where it just seems like nothing can go right. I call that a valley season, right? That's what I'm going to refer to it as today. Uh, some people call it desert season. Some people call it wilderness season. Barry talked about it a little bit last week with the Israelites, the exodus from Egypt. They were in a wilderness season for 40 years, right? And a lot of that was their own doing. I'm glad Barry stopped when he did and kind of moved on to the promised land. Thought he was going to preach my whole message and thought I was going to have to Google another sermon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but he stopped, so, so it was good. I could carry on with the one that I have, right? But we've all had one of those seasons where the things, you know, just seem to be going wrong. And what's important and what I'm going to talk to us about today is what do we do when we're in those seasons, right? It doesn't matter so much how we got there um, because sometimes it's under our control, sometimes it's not. What matters is what you do in those seasons. What do you look for? What do you look to? Uh, what, what things do you try to comfort yourself with? And a lot of times that's what we do. We try to comfort ourselves. Like Barry said, the demon you know is better than the demon you don't, right? So we try to stick with those. I'll give you a little insider tip here. The God we serve is better than any demon, right? Whether you know him or not. But when we're in these seasons, we forget that sometimes. And again, Pastor Rod almost preached my whole message in the transition. Um, but it's hard for us when we're in these difficult seasons to praise God and to, to worship him when things are going wrong, right? And we, we tend to try to control our own destiny in a sense. We tend to, to try to gravitate to things that are going to make us feel safe. Simply put, we look to a different God, right? So that's why I have titled this message, Who's Your God in the Valley, right? And I know that sounds kind of rough, um, I, I tend to, to shoot straight from the hip. Uh, I can be politically correct. I can, you know, sugarcoat things. I just don't like to. When I get up here and I have a microphone in my hand, um, it, there's something that happens in my spirit where I feel like God wants me to just tell it like it is. And, and I'll try to soften the landing as much as I can. I'm not here to beat anybody up. But I want us to take a look at ourselves and what we are doing and what we can control and make sure that we're aligning ourselves with God the way that we're supposed to, right? So real quick, I'm going to talk about grace. And you'll see kind of, it might seem like I'm jumping around at this part, um, but you'll see kind of how it ties in. For me, grace is, is everything, right? Grace is, it's in my DNA. It's my MO. It's who I am. I, I love grace. I preach grace. Love it so much, we named our daughter Gracie. Right? Like that, that's how much I love grace. But a lot of times, a lot of Christians have a messed up idea of what grace is. A lot of people think that grace basically uh, prevents you from having to deal with consequences, right? It's, you know, Lord, I know I did all this bad stuff, but, but praise you, I'm good, right? Don't have to deal with it, but that's not true. That's not what grace is. Grace will lighten the consequences, but it doesn't remove them altogether. And sometimes we face consequences because of other people's actions. It's not always just what we do, right? But 
But we need to have a good understanding of what grace is and make sure that we are in proper alignment with God so that we can receive his grace. Because if you're out of alignment with him, you're going to face the full consequences of all of your actions. You're in alignment with him. His grace will lighten those consequences just a little bit, right? So that's why it's intentional, or important for us to be intentional about what we do, how we do it, why we do it. We're not always going to get it right, but if we have the right heart, then God can bring his grace to lighten the consequences, right? So what do we do, though, when we start to, when, when situations start to decline in certain areas, whether it's finances, your health, your relationship with your spouse, your, your walk with God, what do we do, right? Who do we turn to? Where do we go? Say, for example, you have an issue with your health. Do you go straight to God and pray about it immediately, or do you go to Google or Siri or Alexa, right? Do you say, hey, Alexa, what causes a big green bump on my middle toe? And then Alexa says, a big green bump on your middle toe is likely a sign of gout, you know, something like that. I just made that up. But like, is that what we do initially? Is that our first response to go and try to figure it out on our own? Or are we going to God, right? And it's not wrong, don't, you know, don't get me wrong. It's not wrong to look up things or to try to figure stuff out. It's not wrong to go to the doctor or anything like that. that that's great. God gave us these resources for a reason. My point is that we need to focus on him first. We need to seek first the kingdom, and then we'll figure everything else out as we go. Right? What about when you start to struggle financially? It's going to get quiet in here, just so you all know. When you struggle financially, is tithing the first thing that goes? I guess that depends on whether or not you were tithing to begin with. But, uh, but the, the point is, like, that 10% could buy a lot of groceries, you know? Uncle Joe's killing us at the pump. That 10% could give me a couple more gallons of, or a couple more tanks of gas, right? Um, so what do you look for? What do, you, do you try to to take charge of things yourself? Do you go to your financial advisor and see what they can change for you? See if you, or do you start gambling, you know, trying to make some quick money so that you can catch up? Do you leave it in God's hands or do you make yourself God or do you make your financial advisor God, right? That's the point of it all. When your wife or your husband is getting on your last nerves, and this doesn't happen at our house, like we're, we have a perfect marriage. Like we never argue or, or anything, but for the rest of y'all, normal people, uh, when your, your wife or your husband is getting on your last nerve and you're, you're fighting, you're arguing about everything, do you bring it before God first? Is that the first thing you do? Or do you consult with friends, family, coworkers? Do you start to go golfing more? Do you start going shopping more? What do you look to to consult you or to comfort you in those times? It should be God but oftentimes it's not, right? See, we all have different coping mechanisms. Oh, you have to give me a second. My, this is the, the downside of having to hold, oh, thank you. You're such an amazing person. Thank you. But we all have these different outlets or coping mechanisms, right? And they're not bad. Don't get me wrong. Like the, we are, God gives us resources. He gives us people, puts people in our lives to help us through these valley seasons, but where's our focus? Like, where, who are we turning to first? That's, that's the question that I want to make sure that everybody understands today, right, so that we can properly align ourselves. Do you look to, for ways to get yourself out, or do you seek first 
the kingdom, right? All right, so we're going to go to the Bible. Um, I figured it would be wrong of me to get up here and speak for 30 minutes and not go to the Bible. So we'll go to the Bible real quick. Raise your hand if you've heard the story of Job or read the story of Job. A few people. All right, that's good. A few of you going to heaven. That's good. Just kidding. I'm going to read a little bit from the first chapter of Job just to kind of set the story a little bit, and then I'm going to paraphrase the other 41 chapters just in the interest of time uh, rather than leading the whole thing but, uh, or reading the whole thing. Uh, we're going to start in Job chapter 1, verse 8. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? I'm going to pause right there, just a little disclaimer. I know it sounds like it's talking about me, but it's not, okay? I, I promise. I'm not that egotistical to, to read a verse about me. He's talking about Job here, okay? Just so you know. Verse 9, and then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand, only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So when, when Satan starts questioning Job's faith there, it's funny because, you know, Pastor Rod kind of hit on it a little bit. It's easy to, to praise God when everything's going good, right? But it's a lot harder to praise God in the storm or in the valley. And that's exactly what, what, Satan, what Satan told God is, does he not praise you because you put a hedge of protection around him and you've blessed everything that he does? Of course he praises you. You've blessed him. It's easy for him to praise you. But what about when you stop blessing him? What about when your hand is removed from him? All of a sudden, is he still going to praise you? That was Satan's question to God about Job. And, and for us, like, what does that look like for us practically? You get a new job, Praise God. Get a raise. Praise God. You get to buy a new house. Praise God. You know, you you're, have a season where you have no health issues whatsoever. You know, the COVID's going around and we haven't gotten sick not once. Like, praise God. That's amazing. Right. But what about when it's the other way around? It's easy to praise God on the mountain. But what about when you lose your job? What about when your car breaks down and you can't afford to fix it? And I'm going to I'm going to personalize a little bit and tell you some examples of what my wife and I have gone through, and just so that you know that, like, this isn't just me preaching to you. This is me preaching to myself, right? What about when your two- and three-year-olds refuse to sleep in their beds? And this isn't infants, right? These aren't newborns. They're two and three, and they refuse to sleep in their beds. And we've gone six months now without having a full night's sleep. What about that? What about when you're used to working from home for a year and a half, you drive to, to work uh, one or two days a week, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, your job responsibilities change, and now you have to drive four days a week, hour and a half each way, right? What about when you get a call from a detective saying that your sister's been found deceased? What about less than a year later, you have another sibling who calls and says that they've been diagnosed with cancer? Who's your God then? Who do you turn to then, right? It's tough, but Job gives us a little bit of an idea of what we're supposed to do. So let's look, look forward into the book of Job here a little more. Right, so I'll fast forward. You can go to the next slide, and I'll kind of, 
paraphrase what happens between verses 12 and verse 20. Basically, Satan goes, destroys all of Job's livestock, um, destroys all of his possessions, kills the servants, and then kills all of uh, Job's children, right? Basically lost everything. Everything he had worked for, everything he loved was gone. Naturally, we would think that it's going to be pretty difficult for him to praise God in this storm or in this valley that he's now in. But let's read what Job did in verse 20. And then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Like, that is amazing to me. <laughs> the fact that he can go through all of that, lose everything and lose his children. And yet he didn't sin and he didn't charge God with wrong, right? And it didn't end there. Satan ended up uh, afflicting him with uh, skin disease, had sores from head to toe. People didn't want to be around him. People started questioning Job's sanity. His own wife started questioning his integrity, right? It continued to get worse, but yet at no point did Job curse God. He cursed himself, cursed the day he was born, wished he had never been born at all, but he still believed in God. He still talked to God. He still had faith in God, right? And, and that's hard for us to believe, but by doing so, eventually God stepped in. Eventually he said, you know what? Enough is enough, devil. He stepped in, told Job that he had some bad friends, first of all, and that he was getting some bad advice, which some of us need to hear that sometimes, right? But he gave Job back all of his possessions that he had and then some, right? gave him all the livestock that he had, and then some. Blessed him with more children. And, and not that you, can, you can't replace children. It's not a one-for-one one thing, but God knew Job's heart and knew that he loved to be a father, and so God gave him more children, right? The question, though, is had Job not put God first in that valley season, would God have stepped in and, and saved him from it? I don't know. But because Job was in proper alignment with God throughout that time because he continued to put God first in all that, God stepped in and gave him back everything. There's that grace, right? There, now, the consequences, again, they weren't because of anything Job had done. It was Satan just being the jerk that he is, right? But God stepped in and put a stop to it. It's the grace of God that saved Job through all that and brought him back to where he was before. So now I'm going to try to give you a little bit of hope, right? Again, sandwich method. Started off with the happy, all the jokes. Then we got kind of the, the downside a little bit. But now I want to give you a little bit of hope. We're going to look through a few verses here in the Bible that I would like for you to just remember, meditate on whenever you're going through a valley season. These are some verses that I found, um, and, and they're all popular verses. not like I had to do a ton of digging here, um, but they're verses that will help you to get through the valley season. It's things that we need to meditate on. So John chapter 16, verse 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Thank God, because the world is a rough place. Isaiah 40, verse 31, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Psalm 23, 4. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Thank God we have a rod and his staff here that can comfort us when we're going through hard times, right? Praise God. All right. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, which, by the way, Philippians 4, 6, I know Pastor Rob was talking about graffiti in your body. That's one of the graffiti pieces is Philippians 4, 6. <laughs> Just kidding, Pastor. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. And this last one is one that I want us to kind of settle on for a couple of minutes here. This is my wife's favorite Bible verse. I love it too. It's one of my favorites too. But this one is the verse that, in my opinion, can give us the most hope no matter what we're going through. If we truly understand this verse, grasp what this verse is saying to us, it doesn't matter what you're going through, right? Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It doesn't say in some things, doesn't say in this thing or that thing or those things, in all things. doesn't matter what you're going through. doesn't matter where you've been. doesn't matter who's coming against you. doesn't matter what uh, health problem, financial problem, relationship problem. It doesn't matter what you're going through. In all things, God works for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, right? All right. So I'm going to kind of land the plane. I intentionally went a little bit shorter this week, and I'm not done yet. There's a few minutes left. Don't get too excited. But uh, we wanted to intentionally be a little bit shorter this month, and typically I have this problem where I'll plan for 35 minutes, and that somehow turns into 50 um, so I, I did it a little bit different this time and wanted to plan for, for 30. Um, so we're going to try to land this plane now. And I want to make sure that everybody fully understands what to do when you're in a valley season. See, I, this isn't some deep theological message. I'm not good at, at the whole three-point uh, sermon thing uh, because you don't need three points. You got one point. It's only one point. That's all we need, right? Seek first the kingdom and all else will be added to you, right? We're all gonna go through valley seasons. It, it, it doesn't matter. None of us are exempt. Saying yes to Jesus gets you into heaven, but it doesn't make you exempt from everything that you're gonna experience here on earth. But that's why we need to stay in proper alignment with him, right? That's why we need to put the kingdom first in all things that we do. If you put the kingdom first, then his grace can take hold in your life. His grace can get you through anything and everything that you might go through. Outside of that alignment, though, if you don't seek first the kingdom, the grace can't, his grace can't really do anything, right? You've got to make sure to stay in alignment. So who do you run to first? Do you run to Google, Alexa, Siri? I'm waiting for phones to start going off by me saying those names, right? Do you run to your friends, do you run to the golf course? Do you run to the bottle, right? Or do you run to God? Any situation that you could possibly be going through, right, run to God first. Put him first in everything. 
Meditate on some of these scriptures that I, that I gave you. Make him, make Yahweh the most high, make him God in your valley. Right? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up real quick, and my wife, my beautiful wife, Rachel. Come on up here. So the, the first thing that we're going to do as they come up, I want to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to at first get in proper alignment with Christ by receiving him, right? Salvation is the first step. So I want to make sure we don't leave here without giving everybody the chance to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. And maybe you've already done it before and you just need to realign yourself. That's okay too. But I'm going to walk us through a prayer and I'm going to ask that everybody repeat it with me, the whole church, so that nobody feels singled out, called out, uncomfortable, anything like that. So if you all could just repeat after me. Father God, I thank you for sending your son to die on that cross for me. I believe that he is king in my life and that you raised him from the dead so that I may have life. In Jesus' name, amen. You're all saved now. Praise God. We're going to heaven, right? But now... It's the rest of it, the rest of our lives. We, we can't just stop there. Going to heaven is great. That, that's good. We'll see you all on the other side. But we also want to walk through the abundant life. We also want to make sure that we have, uh, that we enjoy our time here, that we're a blessing to others, and that we walk by his grace, right? So with that, I'm going to ask anybody that is going through a valley,